0: Every day, you have dozens of distractions vying for your attention. Your Facebook notifications, your Instagram, TikTok, text messages, Twitter, emails, entertaining YouTube videos, Reddit, Netflix, new shows on Hulu or Disney+, new podcast episodes, and so on and so forth, into infinity. At this rate, we never have to be bored again. We can dust off our hands and pat ourselves on the back we have defeated boredom, that most unnatural state of being that causes all of us so much discomfort. But wait, what if I were to tell you that not only is boredom okay, it's actually essential to a healthy brain and even beneficial to creativity? Yes, what if I could prove to you that putting your smartphone down and staring out of a window for a few minutes is actually healthier for your brain and better for your creativity than surfing Facebook. You can imagine that statement just sent shivers through CEOs of Silicon Valley. But it's true. Recent studies in the last decade have shown that there is a necessary function to boredom, that it hides its own benefits. And although the ever-expanding attention economy wants to convince you that boredom is somehow unnatural and to be avoided, the truth is that boredom engages one of the most natural states of the brain, something neuroscientists call the default mode network. The default mode network was discovered only as recently as 2001 by the neuroscientist Marcus Raichle. that's R-A-I-C-H-L-E, who stumbled on it through brain imaging studies. The assumption before this momentous discovery among neurologists was that the brain is only active when the conscious mind is active on certain tasks or deliberate thoughts. So when the default mode network was discovered, you can imagine it caused quite a stir among neuroscientists. Here is Marcus Raikel from an interview a few years back on this revelation posed by his discovery. I think there, I think it's probably fair that there's a paradigm shift going on here in the way we think about the brain, that the focus has so, so long been on, on making the brain do things and ignoring what it's doing all the time. And this seems to me to reor- reorganize that focus, that most of what the brain's doing, it's doing spontaneously all the time. For decades, neuroscientists thought we could best understand the brain through observing its activity while performing tasks. For example, if someone were in an fMRI machine and was tasked with math problems or some elements of fine motor skills, we could clearly see the activity in specific regions lighting up and we could infer an understanding of the brain that way. But the default mode network instead tells us something else entirely. One, The brain is never at rest, even if we feel calm or bored. And two, a different network of connected regions seems to come alive precisely when we disengage from deliberate tasks. Here's a perfect example. Have you ever been in a class and just found yourself staring out the window for a few minutes? You let your mind wander for a bit, going into a daydream or ruminating on a long forgotten memory. That is the default mode network. All that stuff that your brain was just doing while entering this introverted space is exactly the kind of processes that the default mode network manages. Fascinating, huh? It seems to be associated with daydreams, fantasies, introspection, reflecting on personal relationships, exploring memories, and creativity. Now things are getting curiouser and curiouser. Who knew boredom could be so interesting? (laughs) In 2014, psychologists Dr. Sandy Mann and Rebecca Cadman wanted to prove a hypothesis that boredom leads to more creative thinking. Their method was this, to have participants take part in increasingly boring activities and then measure their ability to form insights afterward in a test that required divergent thinking which is a form of creative problem solving. The tests were done in two rounds. In the first round, 80 participants were evenly split. 40 of them were given a boring task, and 40 were part of a control group not given a task at all. Those in the first group were given a telephone book, a piece of paper, and a pen. They were asked to copy telephone numbers from the phone book for 15 minutes. Afterwards, they were asked to rate the level of boringness of the task one being not boring at all and five being extremely boring participants who rated the task under a four were not allowed to advance to the creative section of the study as to ensure that the participants were genuinely experiencing something boring interestingly the telephone book participants were also asked if they had daydreamed during the task and only those who admitted to daydreaming advanced to the creative portion. The implication to me when reading this is that the researchers really wanted to engage this default mode network we've been talking about as it is intimately linked with daydreaming. So those who advanced to the creative task were presented two styrofoam cups and asked to list as many different uses for the two cups they could imagine in the span of three minutes. The results were clear the participants who first spent 15 long minutes copying telephone numbers from the phone book, during which they daydreamed a bit, came up with far more creative solutions to the problem. Great. So Mann and Cadman had something significant in their hands. Proof of a link between boredom, the default mode network, daydreaming, and creativity. But being good scientists... They followed up and said, what if we made the task even more boring? So a second round of the study was prepared, this time with 90 new participants, broken up into three groups of 30 each. Group one wrote the telephone numbers as before. Group two read the telephone numbers from the phone book for 15 minutes. No writing, no other stimulus. This was considered the boringest task of them all. Group 3 was the control group who performed no boring tasks. The results were a resounding confirmation. The two groups that were first bored out of their wits performed far better on three creative problem-solving tasks than the group that wasn't. And as a strange twist, Group 2, which was asked to only read the phone book rather than write it, seemed to even perform slightly better than Group 1. The possible implication being that they benefited from giving their brain more space to daydream as it was not occupied by the physical task of writing. Okay, so what is the takeaway here? Can we apply this to our own lives? Can we improve our creativity and encourage more creative exploration in our daily life? Yes, absolutely. But first, You have to adjust to the paradigm shift that Dr. Marcus Rakel was talking about. We have to respect the brain just as much when it is not doing a task as when it is. In a sense, you have to allow yourself, sometimes, to be bored. If your days are filled with endless entries on multiple to-do lists like mine, well, I think we have to make room for boredom especially if you're like me and you live in a busy metropolis where everything is always go, 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 and work, work, work. It's a counterintuitive thing, but we have to make space for our mind to be allowed to wander a bit. Think of it like a mental cigarette break. Back in the day, some 10 years ago, I used to allow myself one cigarette a week. And those little cigarette breaks out in the fresh air, they had something special about them there was a tangible difference in my brain state. And I've always wondered what that was. It was almost meditative. Aside from the nicotine hit, obviously, it gave my mind a time for some reflection and daydreaming, away from the pressures of the day. And you know what? I just realized while working on this episode, those were my default mode network moments. Those were the times I was engaging this natural process of the mind, when it disengages from active tasks and drifts off for a bit. Then, when I stopped smoking, I not only had to deal with the nicotine withdrawal, which is a beast of its own, but I also remember missing those little breaks, those excuses to have a five-minute daydream in the middle of a busy week. I missed the permission to not be working on something. In the West, we have this very unhealthy relationship with work, Although it seems to have seeped into Eastern cultures now, too. Cigarettes aren't so popular in the States anymore. But you can imagine the unexpected benefits that such a practice may have had, or does have in places cigarette breaks are norm in a culture. They give a person a little permission to daydream. Which brings us to my final point. Every app or electronic device you use is vying for your attention. Your awareness is the product, and advertisers are paying good money for it. Entire tech companies are built on the philosophy of keeping your awareness engaged, even if they have to hijack your dopamine centers or your outrage impulses to do it. Nowadays, one of the most rebellious acts you can do in this attention economy is turn off your screen and be bored on purpose. And I'm serious. This is the world we live in and it comes at the expense of that valuable mental space created when we are using our default mode network. My personal intuition and experience tells me that it is in that open, internally-oriented daydream space that we receive our most valuable insights from our unconscious mind, where the door of communication opens just an inch and lets through something into our conscious view. Oftentimes, it can be a new idea, or a solution to a problem we've been having. Other times, it can just be some weird thought or fantasy. And this will sound funny, but that's why some of your best ideas happen when you are on the toilet or in the shower. Now, hear me out. You are away from your phone, your mind wanders for a moment, the default mode circuits engage, and a new thought emerges from your unconscious into conscious view. We should be making space for our brains to do that. A little more often. So my challenge to you takes five minutes. Five minutes of your time. Everyone has five minutes, right? Here it is. Every day for the next seven days, spend five minutes looking out of a window. Here are the rules. Silence your phone, no screens, no notifications, nothing to take your attention away. You can be sitting or you can be standing. And if you find it helpful, you can occupy your hands with a pen or a fidget object. I personally like to hold something like magnets in my hand and just move them around as I daydream for a bit. Or a small, smooth stone. It can be anything that distracts your motor skills, so you can look out the window and let your mind wander. Think of it like a mental cigarette break. Five minutes a day for the next seven days. I think you'll be surprised. It lets your mind rest, to just be for a bit. As you turn inward, it gives your unconscious a chance to speak through that open door. But again, there's no pressure to be brilliant or think anything specific about a problem. Just start by looking. Notice the color of the sky or the buildings, the sound of the street, the weather today, the feeling of your breathing. And let that take you where it will. This has been creativity tip number 17, the mental cigarette break. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. Now I know it's ironic for me to send you back to social media after all that, but those are the people that need to hear this message most, right? The paradigm shift has happened in neuroscience and psychology. Now it needs to happen in our popular culture. We have invited all these technologies into our lives to bid for our attention. Now we have to relearn to make space for our mind, to give it room to breathe. I think it's really important. If you'd like to support the show and gain access to all of the exclusive Creativity Tip mini-episodes, just head over to my Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash mjdorian. That's m-j-d-o-r-i-a-n. You can listen to all of them for as little as $1 and other exclusive goodies for upper tiers. In the very near future, I'm going to be releasing some exclusive, full-length episodes, which will only be on my Patreon. More info on that soon. Finally, click the bell notification for Creative Codex in your podcast app to get a gentle nudge the moment the next episode is released. And if that notification comes while you're taking your mental cigarette break, then I can wait. Let your thoughts take you where they please. This has been Creative Codex, and I am your host, MJ Dorian. Until next time, rest well.